Welcome to the Musician's Venture Podcast. This is a podcast focused on lessons learned from musicians' backstories, as well as from building successful careers in the music business. My name is Nick O'Brien, and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events that Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. On occasion, I'll be joined by Allison M., the founder of Wisconsin Music Ventures, as she and I will dive into topics relevant to the music industry. So let's get down to business. Uh, welcome back to this episode of the Musicians Venture. Uh, I have, for the first time uh, that I've hosted the podcast, I have two guests with me here today. I have uh, Melissa Garcia and Leslie Montez. Uh, these are two powerhouse music industry professionals who um, do work with uh, an organization or a business called Collective Entertainment and an organization called I Voted which is a festival that is in the name of celebrating um, the opportunity we all have as citizens of the United States of America to get out and vote. Um, so thank you, Melissa and Leslie, for hopping on with me today uh, to talk a bit more about your work. Thank you. Excited to be yeah. here. <laughs> thank you for having us. So we'll start with Melissa. Melissa is uh, the founding partner of um, Collective Entertainment. She is also an artist manager and a consultant, uh, and she is the chief marketing officer uh, for the I Voted Festival. Uh, Melissa has worked with numerous clients and companies across uh, the music industry since 2011, um, anything from a day-to-day -day manager to a tour manager, marketing, social media consultants, project management, and, and just kind of marketing generalist uh, all together. She first started in the music industry interning for her now business partner, Emily White. Uh, it was through that internship where she developed a strong interest for tour and day-to-day -day management. And that experience served her so well that she began managing her own clients. And in 2018, she co-founded Collective Entertainment with Emily White. Um, in 2020, she became the chief marketing officer for the I Voted Festival, working with a team of over 200 volunteers to put on the, the largest single night concert event in history, all in support of voter turnout. Uh, Melissa holds a master's degree in music business from New York University and holds a bachelor's degree in finance from the University of Florida. Uh, boy, that's a lot, Melissa. I don't you are use one that. Qualified, incredible music industry professional. Um, I, I literally, though, consider my finance degree to be a BS degree because I don't use it at all. <laughs> And you mean you mean like the streets uh, connotation of BS, not bachelor's <laughs> science. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's a BS in finance. So yeah, take that how you will. Yeah, right. Um, and 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 also joining me, as I mentioned, is Leslie Montez. And Leslie is the festival director for the I Voted Festival, and she's also a freelance event producer. Um, Leslie entered the music industry in 2015, and has since worked as a marketing specialist, events and promotion manager. Um, and as a lead producer to, for two of South Florida's largest, largest music festivals. In 2020, she served as I Voted Festival's production manager, helping produce the largest single night concert event in history, along with her, her, her colleague here, Melissa. Uh, through that opportunity, she became interested in artists and social media marketing and day-to-day -day management. And now, Leslie is the I Voted Festival director. 
So uh, the two of you, like I said, I, I think the, the the biographies I just uh, shared with the listeners all but uh, sums up what I first started this episode with was that you two are two powerhouse music industry professional professionals, and I'm so excited to dive into uh, how how we got here. You know, the listeners how now have a good idea of who you are, a little bit of what you do. Um, but on this on this podcast, we really dive into the people behind the work. And so I'm curious, uh, starting with Melissa, like take me back to the to the old days, you know, take me back to when you felt yourself, um, you know, becoming drawn to the music industry. Um, you know, what were the influences there? What were the inspirations? Were there particular um, stories that you can share that really solidified your your interest in being in the music industry? And uh, and we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I do want to mention one thing. Leslie, are you drinking a White Claw? No. <laughs> so cute. Okay. Can you imagine? It's like 1.19 p.m. in Florida. <laughs> it looks like a White Claw. Like it she kept drinking. I'm like, back. she's getting wasted for this podcast. <laughs> Well, no judgment here. Whatever, shout, whatever you got to do. Shout out to Celsius. I actually did an event like a couple of months ago and they gave us so many cases. They're a wonderful, wonderful company. <laughs> cool. Okay. All right. So, but let's get back to the question. You can edit that part out. I just wanted to point that out because I thought that was hilarious. Um, I thought it was hilarious too. So thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so to answer your question, Nick, uh, I started playing piano when I was six. And so I already just from the get-go was so gravitated towards music, um, studied concert, uh, classical piano, my entire adolescence from six years old, all the way into college. And so at the heart of like who I am, I'm a musician first and foremost with a deep appreciation for not just music and all sorts of different music, but a deep appreciation for the performance of music. So when I go to live concerts, when I work with artists that are working on their live sets, I have a deep appreciation and understanding of what it's like to be on the stage and to perform for an audience. So at the heart of that, you know, I, I love music very dearly. Piano has gotten me through so many incredible and and other, you know, ups and downs of my life. And I picked up other instruments in my adolescence. I played flute when I was in middle school and throughout high school, as well as in college. I've played the carillon, the guitar, the ukulele. Um, you know, I sang in a couple ensembles when I was in college. And so when I went to the University of Florida, I knew that I loved music, but I didn't want to be, you know, a, a musician. Um, and I knew that I I really was interested in, in business and I was studying finance. Um, and so by the time I graduated, I just figured, why not combine the two and do music business? And so that's why I went to NYU to get my master's degree in, in the music business program. And that really set the trajectory for the rest of my career. I have to, I have to ask, um, what what factors of, uh, of, of leading the musician life um, that that you considered that ha helped you kind of land the decision that you did not want to be a professional musician but but go on to the business side first of all money it is not very lucrative to be a professional flautist or a professional pianist um you know a lot of those classmates that i had ended up going into education into other aspects involving 
involving music. And that's just not the kind of life that I wanted. And uh, the other aspect of it, too, is that, you know, I've always had a really interesting, eclectic taste in music. You know, I would listen to The Shins and then all of a sudden turn on some Brazilian music. You know, I, I love jazz. And then I would listen to, you know, classical piano and and then maybe turn on Nirvana. So I, I always really loved music and, and, you know, being a 90s child, a millennial, I grew up watching MTV, you know, like I remember... <laughs> I remember when Harvey Danger's uh, music video for uh, Flagpole Sitta came out on MTV and I was like, I'm obsessed. What is this music? You know, and I, and I also grew up listening to like TLC and salt and Peppa and, you know, Nas. It's just a very eclectic taste in, in music that I think a lot of us in the industry can appreciate because I think we're all very similar in that regard. Um, and so I was always fascinated with the industry. I never truly understood it. And in order to, you know, enter into this career path, you have to understand it. And I felt that the best way to get my foot in the door was to go to a music business program to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a ton more questions, but I think they're going to be uh, relevant to both of you. So let's, let's catch up. Let's get Leslie caught up to where we are in, uh, in Melissa's, uh, you know, music career journey. Leslie, um, same question to you. Like, take me back to the to the, to the day, you know, as they say. Yeah. Back in the day, Leslie was drawn to the music industry because, you know, because so if I if I have to pinpoint the moment in time where I realized that music was something that was not just something that you enjoyed, but something that you could be a part of, um, it had to have been when I was about like. 14 years old, I want to say, and I watched Pearl Jam's Pink Pop performance in 1992. It was the most amazing thing I had ever seen in my entire life. And then watching, you know, Eddie Vedder sort of hang from the rafters, I wondered in, in the back of my head, like, I want to attend one of those concerts. Um, my path wasn't as, I want to say there was like a little bit of everything as I started my education. I went in to become a journalism major. I had some great internships um, at the Miami New Times, which is a wonderful magazine here in South Florida. And through that connection, I actually um, was able to write about events and concerts. Um, I then became a concert photographer. I had a brief stint. And I realized that like, I actually liked being present. It was extremely rewarding watching the experience, getting to write about it. Um, and little by little, I started gaining friends in the industry. Um, out of nowhere, an opportunity presented itself to um, work for a radio station. And that radio station required, um, you know, a lot of promotions background, marketing background. So I immediately removed my trajectory from journalism to public relations. Um, and through that opportunity was the first time I ever got to generally build a music festival. And it was alternative, which was my favorite um, genre at the moment. So that was pretty much how it all started for me. When I was working at Miami New Times, the radio was on and it was probably within the first minute or so of turning it on, I heard, if I'm not mistaken, 21 Pilots. And I was like, hold on, this is an alternative radio station in South Florida, which is really rare. It's extremely rare. Um, and it was like a switch went on in my head. I have to work for them. I must. So I hounded the DJs, I called them almost every day for a week. And one of them decided to give me uh, the number for the marketing director. We got in touch and, and that was my first step into music. And it was probably the best and most difficult three years of my entire life. But um, 
I really got to cut my teeth in working with record labels, managing contracts. And when the station grew, producing the first music festival was, I want to say, like a life changing experience. The fact that I had once <laughs> watched Pearl Dam, you know, perform at this thousand person music festival and then being able to actually produce one having my hand in sponsorships, social media, digital marketing, because we were very, a very much small team at the time. Um, and I'm looking at the poster right now and AWOL Nation was the headliner that year. And um, I want to say it was just like being able to create the experience. That was when I knew that, that my role, or at least my passion was in the weeds of it. I wanted to create and then sit back and watch what, what had happened, the reaction on people's faces. I just, I ate it up. Oh, Leslie, you're speaking <laughs> to my heart. Uh, I, uh, in the last, uh, I don't know, probably seven years, I think I've, I've produced, um, I mean, hundreds, hundreds of events, not nothing like large scale, like, you know, the, the, the single, um, the largest single night concert in, in, in history. Uh, I can't say that I've done that, but um, event production has been like my life for, uh, uh, well, up until COVID, it was pretty much my life. And, and then it became virtual event production, which is way different um, a whole other beast yes, yeah a whole other beast so i have a, an immense amount of respect for you and your work and you know uh i have some resonance with the trials and tribulations of of event production work um different every day even if you're producing the same event over and over again it's it's different each year or each time you do it um so yeah but so a little distinction here. Um, so with Melissa, you you came into the industry as a musician, um, and and Leslie, you were drawn to it just as a music lover. Exactly, as a fan. I want to yeah. say, if there was anything, it was a fan of the experience. And we can credit uh, we can credit Pearl Jam for that, huh? Yes, yes. Eddie Vedder, I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. So, so now like we're both kind of caught up in terms of being on the same point in the path. Now, now when did these paths cross? What, 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 what was it? What, tell me the story of how the two of you met and what that first interaction was like. And if you could tell from the beginning that like, Ooh, this is going to work real good. You know, I, I want to answer first because I don't think I ever told Leslie, my first impressions of her because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be bad. No, I'm just kidding. It's not going to be bad. Um, so, so we definitely crossed paths in 2020 because, and, and Leslie will share her, her bit of how she joined hashtag I voted festival. I joined obviously because Emily White's my business partner. And she said, Hey, we need a chief marketing officer. I'd love for you to be that. Will you join the team? And I joined the 2020 team in August. So that's August, September, October. That's three months before the webcast event, um, which is, so we were working in a really high, uh, high paced environment, but I never interacted with Leslie. I only heard about Leslie through meetings, like with the C-suite and things like that. And really, I think my first interaction with you was the night of the event when we were all online with each room. other. Yeah. War room. Exactly. So basically the night of the webcast event, people on the team could tune into this war room, which was basically like a Google hangout. And we could just like shoot the shit, talk, drink, whatever. We'll dip in and dip out. Cause it's like, Oh, you know, citizen cope is playing. I'm going to leave and then come back. And 
Uh, and that was really the first interaction I had with you, but that's not my first impression. My first impression was this, this chick is on her, on her game. Like she's on it. And you came into every single meeting with a notebook. You were taking notes. You were asking a million questions. I was like, I'm not even that on top of it. What, like that is amazing. And so I, so that was my first impression of you, but we never really interacted really until this, the Georgia special election, I think for January. Right. Yeah. That, then we just kept interacting with each other because then you joined the collective entertainment team afterward. Yeah. But that, those are my first impressions and I've never told you that. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I told her my first impressions either, but they're a little, they're a little bit more embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one drinking white claw. <laughs> so it was funny because, so I, and, and I, I want to take it a little back because it's a very important like anecdote that I share with people. I got on a call with Kevin Lyman at the height of the pandemic because I had just been furloughed from this wonderful job that I that I told you that I loved and, and I was producing concerts. I think the last the last event before that, um, the who was it? It was the Killers, the Killers in the 1975, two enormous bands in alternative music. They were the last bands I got to see before the world change upside down and producing for that show I was heartbroken I was like I'm never gonna get to do anything that big so I decided to reach out to my network and I I got in touch with Kevin Lyman who the founder of, of Bounce World Tour he had a very honest conversation with me and then asked me what it is that I really wanted to do um and he does we had not interacted for a very long time I don't even think he remembered you know where where I got his contact from but he told me about Emily White and I voted festival because I shared with him as much as I loved doing these concerts. And they were at, at that time, they had turned into something very high profile. And I was able to walk amongst Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. I really wanted to do something helpful in 2020. I, I was looking at how Neva was forming these campaigns and, um, you know, the Music Cares Foundation was asking for help. Um, Live Nation was doing all these wonderful things. And Kevin sort of pointed me at the direction of I Voted Festival because at that time he had joined the board. Um, so I reached out to Emily. She put me in touch with one of her interns at the time. And I dug as much information as I could on Emily, on Melissa, on Collective. It was like, yeah, because I, I generally me? wanted to know. Yes! So I knew about you before I think <laughs> we like, I was like, I must, because whenever I realized the group of volunteers was so big that if I were ever going to have a moment to talk to these women, I needed to know who they were. I needed to know what, you know, I, I read on Emily's books. I read, you know, Melissa's bio just so that if we ever, ever in a meeting, I could come prepared with some sort of like information. Um, so that was sort of like how, how we ended up interjecting and I voted. Um, I had no idea at the time that there was need for production. I just sort of raised my hand in a meeting and said, I have experience. And then little by little, I realized I was, I was there um, in the weeds of everything with the operations manager at the time, um, Melanie Shark, who, who is also an artist who performed. And she told me amazing things about both Emily and Melissa and I think I hounded Melissa for an opportunity to work with her and Emily at Collective Entertainment for months. I don't know if you remember, but I was like, if you need anything, if you ever need anything, and eventually it turned into a job. 
Um, right now I, I do social media management for a couple of their artists and it was, it's just been a very rewarding experience, but you have to kind of, you know, read up on the people that you want to meet. You, you have to meet halfway because I, even though Melissa didn't know about me until I was in a meeting, I wouldn't have known which meeting she was a part of if I hadn't read, you know, I, Hey, can I be a part of this meeting with Melissa and Emily? Can I, so that's how I, I kind of came. I really did my research before I ended up in any meeting with them, which was kind of rewarding to see where, where it all led to now. That's so funny because like, I never, I, first of all, that's really smart. And I, I would do the same things. Like if I go to like South by, you know, you make a list to network and this is great tips for musicians for sure. Research the people that you want to meet, you know, find ways that you can connect with them in a very organic way when you're networking. And so I think what you did was really smart, like on a, on a professional sense, I think what you did is very smart on a friend sense. I think it's hilarious because (laughs) like you and I've had such like deep conversations since then. And I consider you a very close colleague and friend of mine and so like hearing that I I had no idea yeah it was it was it was pretty funny because I think we we recently had like our one of our most in-depth conversations like what as soon as yesterday to knowing that like I researched (laughs) who she was to to try and you know just get a chance to work with her I think at that time our team was about like 200 people if not more so it was it was a very slim chance that in the time when I joined in September through November that I was going to ever get to talk to the C- CMO or the CEO. Um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely a huge tip for musicians to just kind of, you know, go in there, go prepared, find out who these people are, search, stop them on LinkedIn because it'll definitely pay off. Yeah, I, I do want to add on to that too, because I think <laughs> this is why I think it's so funny. Don't be intimidated. Like at all. Right. Like I like I might be a CMO and a co-founder of Collective Entertainment, whatever. But I I like to imagine that Leslie's drinking White Claws during this this podcast, (laughs) you know, like don't you know. So so and that goes for anyone, whether you're a college student, high school student, musician, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to any of us because we've been in that situation. We've been in your shoes. So we know what it's like to have to reach out to someone, um, you know, so, so, so yes, absolutely do your research, like Leslie said, but don't be intimidated. We're just regular people that nerd out about 21 pilots. Yeah. And Pearl Jam. And Pearl Jam, <laughs> exactly. and Eddie Vedder, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I love the, you know, the stories behind uh, the two of you meeting for the first time, um, particularly because, you know, I, I, I think we all know as, 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 as people that are close to the music industry, as musicians, as, as fans, whatever it may be, um, we recognize when, when musicians on stage have a great chemistry, you know, and, and, it, and it adds to, you know, the quality of the music that they're creating. Um, but often we, we don't think, I, I think, we don't think about the chemistry that is necessary on uh, behind the scenes, you know, to, to kind of produce what you, what you two and, and, and your colleagues and your team are, are producing. And it's just as important, um, you know, for things to go off with, without a hitch. And, and so it's just interesting to hear that like kind of the, Leslie, I now understand what Melissa is saying when, when she says, man, she's on her game, you know, she's got her stuff together. Uh, Cause you did all this research beforehand and uh, that resonates with me because I I have the same approach. Like I think I think sometimes as as humans we we leave like first impressions uh, and 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 in our hopes of 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 that leading to good chemistry with somebody to chance. 
And I think there's some, uh, you know, design that can be applied to a good first impression. And certainly some of that is knowing what the heck you're talking about and who you're talking to. Um, yeah. and, and knowing those kind of like easy entry points to deep conversation. Um, so, so props to you, Leslie, for, uh, for, for knowing that and, and doing the work uh, beforehand that has led to uh, a, a chemistry level that uh, you can be called out for drinking a white claw on a podcast <laughs> interview when, when in actuality you are not. Uh, no, she is. Yeah, what is she, she's she's drinking healthy. a white claw, everyone. This yeah. is the music industry. No one tell Emily. She's the festival director. <laughs> so, so we've gotten, you know, we've gotten a bit of information now on the two of you individually. We've gotten some, you know, some stories about the, the two of you as colleagues um, and now I want to dive into a little bit of like, you know, the, the, the teams that you work on. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, a, a few minutes ago, uh, Leslie and Melissa are, are both uh, heavily involved with, um, with collective entertainment. Uh, and Melissa was the co-founder of that with Emily White. Uh, it is a New York, ba- a New York and LA based um, uh, business that uh, specializes in music, sports, content creation and activism and it brings this modern mentality to talent uh, management, working hands-on with clients, developing custom and individualized plans. And the team itself offers consulting in a lot of areas, talent development, management, content release, digital marketing, merchandising, and the list goes on and on and on. The expertise of the team is, 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 is rooted in creating custom strategies and for project management in a variety of uh, releases and music, not just music though, sports and other areas as well. Um, and 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 then through this team as well, you you work on the I Voted Festival, which I think is just like the coolest thing ever. Um, and 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 Wisconsin Music Ventures members were recently blessed with with a, with a panel uh, with the two of you and Emily White to talk about I Voted. And I Voted is a five hundred one c three organization. Um, that has activated over 150 venues in 37 states to let fans into venues on November 6th, 2018. This was, you know, the 2018 uh, election. Um, and prior to the pandemic, they they launched um, the first largest digital concert in history, which took place on November 3rd in 2020. Um, I should say that was not prior to the pandemic, but due to the pandemic, um, there were over 450 artists participating in that inaugural I Voted Festival, and it's quickly followed up that work with doing festivals in Georgia for the state's special election in January of 2021, and that was a pretty, you know, monumental election. Um, and and so it's just, you know, like I said before, all in the name of just getting celebrating the opportunity to get out to vote, and 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 the team is now gearing up for 2022. Uh, which will be on November 8th. The festival will be on November 8th this year. Um, it's a public charity uh, type of organization, and there's countless ways for you to support it and turn out and things like that. So um, this, these are the two vehicles that, that the two of you get to work together on. Um, just each of you, give me a, a little bit more information about like your thoughts, your feelings, your, your passion for these two organizations and the work that you get to do um, via, via those channels. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first, Leslie? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I voted festival really filled a need I had to join. I, I want to say like, and it's funny because I'm going to word it in the only way that I know how. At the height of the pandemic, I had um, 
what John Leguizamo would call Latino rage. (laughs) I was just, you know, in over my head and learning about what was going on, how we ended up in the situation, what we were going to do. And I wanted to figure that out in a very bipartisan way. I wanted to understand what both sides of the spectrum were doing. And in my quest for that, when finding out what I voted festival was, which is getting the vote out, voter turnout is not on one side or, or other of politics. It really just has one single goal in getting um, people from registering to vote to actually to the polls, to getting us to show their selfie. Um, and when I found out the wonderful women that were working you know, for this organization, um, the people that were involved who were truly just there, it was my first kind of introduction into volunteering for something that not only called to me, but that was directly involved with, with my passion for music. Um, and that I was able to still create this experience online. The, the one that I so loved where, where I would see fans cry and be joyful because they were seeing their favorite artists perform. Um, I thought there was a point in 2020 where I was never going to be able to do that again. Or I thought, man, this pandemic is going to last for two years. By that time, it's going to be difficult to get back into the music industry. Maybe I'll go into marketing for X or Y Z company that I worked with before. Um, and I'll say goodbye. But when when I got this opportunity, I really got to know um, the passion behind what it meant to both Emily and Melissa. And, and in meetings, I would get sort of a, a taste of how they met, how um, Melissa interned for Emily, what Emily's trajectory was working for um, Live Nation at one point, how she was mentored by wonderful people. And I, I really wanted that for myself. And I, and, I, and I thought, you know, what better place to be able to get that from than from women. I don't think at that time I had ever seen being from South Florida. Um, the demographic is, is mostly um, Latin and hip hop. And there are lots of wonderful men at the top. And those men have given me opportunities, but never quite as open or as I want to say dedicated as Emily and Melissa. I really kind of found um, this sort of, it was like this innate, I want to learn from them. You know, I, I I really wanted to see how how they became and were able to stay so centered in the work, um, how they bounced off ideas off each other. Because it, it, in a regular workplace, even though it was remote, it was very difficult for me to have access to the CEO of a company, the CMO of a company. Um, and where remote work really allowed that for me. Um, they were so open with the meetings. Stand-ups involved anyone from a volunteer to an intern to our leadership team. Um and I really, really wanted to continue work with them after I voted festival was done. Um, so I asked for an opportunity at Collective Entertainment. Um, and it gave me a bit more of an idea how when you are at that height of being able to work with these large artists and these wonderful brands, there's a certain level of health and and both mental and physical that is involved. I had never seen that. I mean, I, I had never... I was part of the burnout crew, if that makes sense. In event production, if you're not there, you're not a part of that meeting. Um, If you're not checking all the boxes, if you're not offering to work from a.m. to p.m. overnight, et cetera, you lose the opportunity to somebody who's younger and hungrier. It's just just the way it works. Um, With Emily and Melissa, they prioritized health, which was very interesting to me because that wasn't my experience in the music industry prior to that. Um, But I realized how it even in aspects as, as, you know, one would call social media marketing, um, 
both of them put the artist first. I really did learn um, that that was the way to succeed because we were conceptualizing marketing programs, but you know, I had feedback from them. Do you really think A or B person would want to do that at this current level where they're at in their health, in their, and frankly, it was just like the perfect marriage of both work um, and health for me. It was very, it was the first time I've ever had that. Wow, that's really cool. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, that is really cool and very beautifully said, Leslie. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're giving me like way too much credit, like too much. Um, so maybe you're not giving yourself enough credit. Oh, uh, you know what? <laughs> okay. Are you my new therapist? What's going yeah. on there? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not really sure how to follow up that answer, you know, because I think what you said was so well explained, especially because, you know, it, it's been such a stressful time in society and we're continuing to feel those stressors. And, you know, instead of moping or instead of being angry about these things, you can take that energy and put it into something more productive. And, and so that was part of the reason why I wanted to join the team. And also, I just really loved the mission. I believed in what this cause was doing. And, and of course I've known Emily for over a decade, you know, it would just be like working with her yet again, but with a different project. And so being already familiar with her and how she works and, you know, her familiar with my brain, it just, it just worked. So it's that chemistry that you were mentioning earlier, you know, that chemistry that you have with, with colleagues that you continue to find work with over and over again. Um, and so, so for that, it was a huge opportunity to be a part of this amazing event. And I also love working with interns. It's, it's just something that I've always appreciated. I was an intern myself, as you all have heard, interning with Emily, and that's how I got my foot in the door. And so for me, I really like to think of this as you know, passing it forward in a way of being able to uh, be there as a support for many, you know, college students, or even, you know, you don't have to be in college to intern, but just really helping foster the next generation of individuals that want to enter the industry and, and trying to be a positive role model in that sense. And, and like Leslie said, uh, we do very much prioritize health. I implemented a three-day work uh, three-day weekend for me and encourage my whole marketing team to do that as well. Um, so I'm not working tomorrow, <laughs> Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And that's for my mental health and being able to set that tone for these college students and high school students. I want them to be able to enter the workforce knowing that is an option and that that can be something that they can ask for or even demand because they have every right to, because health is more important than than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important, uh, especially, you know, I think we've, we as a society have realized in the past, you know, two plus years, how important mental health is and how um, chaotic life is with, without, you know, a good level of mental health. So um, I just, the foundation that the, that the team and the work is built on being, being health and, 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 it, for the artists themselves versus for, you know, the resource providers or the, or the sponsors or whatever it may be. Um, it's super admirable. So like the, the, it, I, I always like just really, really, um, 
uh, admire when I learn about something that happens in the world that is doing good things. And it's it, it, somehow it's, it's, it's never surprising to me, but I'm always, always taken aback when I, when I meet the people behind it. And it's never surprising to me that they're amazing people, but it's, it's just, it provides hope in the world, right? Even so some of the things that you see, um, you know, in, in business that are really, you know, on paper successful and are doing good things and you meet the people behind them and it's like, oh man, they're really kind of crappy people, you know, like, um, but that's not the case here at all. And so you got good people producing incredible work and work that is making a difference. I failed to mention in my like kind of introduction of the I Voted Festival that like the work with I Voted has been analyzed by MIT, you know? Uh, and this is like, this is something I really, really uh, uh, love to see because as someone who is also in the realm of doing work that usually pr produces a lot of qualitative outcomes, you know, good stories, good kind of serendipitous things happen. But, but to have MIT analyze this work and quantify it, by saying that I voted increases turnout, voter turnout by more than 7%. Like that is incredible. Like I like double took take when I looked at that, I was just like, that's a, that's an insane number. Um, and, and it's all thanks to the, to the work that you two do. So, you know, I'm curious, like, tell me about you, you spoken about it a little bit, Leslie, in terms of the, the passion that you have for, for things in the world that matter. Obviously music matters. Voting is a very important thing as well. And you get to you get the chance with the I voted festival to kind of layer your passions, you know, stack your passions on top of each other. A lot of people don't get that opportunity. You know, it's like, you know, I love the work, but I don't love, you know, maybe how it's being used or whatever, but you, you have that, this opportunity to, to kind of, like I said, stack these passions. Tell me about just like how fortunate you feel to be in the position that you're in and be able to, I mean, I assume you jump out of bed every morning, just excited to get to work as opposed to, you know, I think most of the world is probably not having that experience. What do you, you want to go first? No, he oh, asked you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. For, first of all, it's definitely exciting because I one of the things that I voted has provided, which I was lacking very much of in in former, I was I had a lot of access to music on a high level. It was going to see Twenty One Pilots, going to see The Killers, etc. I voted festival really provided a sort of lens that there are so many local acts out in the world who are just as good, um, working so hard and, and deserve a platform. Um, that was one of the, <clears throat> it was really one of the gifts that I saw and how things were married. And, you know, there were so many people who just jumped at the idea of being able to help with voting. So I think if, if there's anything that I can pinpoint, it's just that is the fact that I was, you know, lucky enough to find myself in a place where I could discover music, um, help with voter turnout and also use, you know, the, the bits and pieces of, um, I guess my education, because it, it wasn't a traditional education. I went from wanting to do nursing to then entering in journalism to doing public relations. And then I found myself wanting to work for concerts. So, but I felt like in the long run, those bits and pieces that I sort of hung on to the things that I really liked kind of fit perfectly for the role that I have now. Um, and yeah, I mean, most people who don't have the opportunity, 
in my humble opinion, need to need to look at the things around them. Um, what can you marry? You know, what is your true passion, whether it's um, business or music or, or marketing? And then what are the things that kind of call to you in terms of helping humanity? Um, I really always wanted to do something philanthropic and I never had the time. Um, when I did have the time, it was because I paused and everybody was pausing at the time. But I realized that there was a way to be able to marry it. It was always there. I just never really had the time to look for it. Um, I think if you give yourself that time, that little, you know, even if it's just a couple of days to kind of jot down what your passion is and what you, what calls to you and what really kind of you have reserved in your heart to help with, um, you're going to find it. You're, you're definitely going to kind of get there. Yeah. That's I want to, I want to add something for, yeah. And I, I want to add something to what Leslie said. Um, and particularly with Leslie as an example, because not only it, is she passionate about music and, you know, voting and, and other elements to activism, she is an incredibly hard worker and her work speaks for itself. So you can be the most passionate person with all these dreams, but you have to be willing to put in the work and know that that work can be very grueling. And as both Leslie and I know, the work can be extremely grueling, but that's why we have a support system within each other, within our C-suite, you know, within our colleagues. And we have these safe spaces to be able to vent, to express, you know, ideas and things like that. But the work naturally will speak for itself. So yes, definitely have your passion. Put the pieces together, even though there's no straight answer for that. Um, and, and Leslie was certainly able to do that. But the reason why she is where she is now is because her work speaks for itself. Wow. High Thank praise. You. High praise. Uh, Love that. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. I can what say about, the same for about... Melissa. <laughs> What about you, Melissa? Like, tell me about kind of your passion for, you know, for, for get, getting people to vote and, and how that kind of overlaps with your passion for the music industry and just the experience that you have, like being a part of these kind of this intersection of two important things in the world. So I would say that for me, I mean, other than knowing that it's our civic duty and that we should, we should exercise our right to vote because we are, we're given a right to vote and not a lot of places in this world have that right. Um, I also, you know, as an artist manager, have always gravitated towards trying to find a way for artists to be able to live out their dreams, you know, to strategize for them and things like that. And I would say that carries on into helping individuals as well. And so being able to see that there's a group of not just artists, but also, you know, these volunteers that all have this fire from within this this passion to vote it fuels me frankly because i can feed off of that energy and we can find ways for them to really step up to the plate to task them with roles and and projects that they're going to be very passionate about that they want to believe in and so you know an artist manager is the person that's behind the scenes in, in that regard but but for me as an artist manager, I am fueled by that desire. I'm fueled to see other people feel that passion and to see that 
their goals and dreams come to fruition. And so I, I would say that that's where the marrying of the passion comes because I, I have that already innately. And then when I can share that with other individuals and create this amazing community, then and I feel more fulfilled in that sense. Yeah. Oh, that's so well said. Thank you, Melissa. Um, and so, so, you know, obviously the I Voted Festival, we, we talked about that and I would love to talk more about it, but there's only so much time in an episode. So let's turn our attention to collective entertainment and just the work that you get to do on a day-to-day basis with, 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 with musicians. And obviously the two of you are coming at it from kind of two, two different vantage points, you know, uh, Melissa being a musician herself and, and, and Leslie being a, a fan of music. Talk to me about like, with this artist centered approach, like the level of respect, appreciation that you've, you've grown for the musicians, you know, knowing now the, the, the industry side of the business and, and, and just the opportunity that you get to kind of walk beside them on their journey and help them. And, you know, just the lessons that you've learned uh, from that experience and, and maybe the lessons that you've learned on your own, in your own experiences, that you've been able to kind of relay over to, to the musicians that you work with. Um, and I feel like Leslie always goes first. So Melissa, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pick you now. You start. All right. So no pressure. So, you know, I, I like to think of artist management or being an artist manager as the CEO of the, the artist and the artist is an entrepreneur alongside with the CEO, quote unquote, CEO, as as the artist manager and for, for being in this position i find that what really helps me get into the the nuances of things is having almost like a professional empathy right you need to have some level of empathy but not too much where you know if you have um if you have moments of challenges or moments of failures that you're completely distraught, right? You have to really protect yourselves in that moment. That's why mental health is so important, but a sense of professional empathy where you can connect with that artist. And, and by the way, if I, if I work with an artist, it's because I truly want to, I won't just pick up any artist. I want to be able to add value to what that artist is bringing to the table. So that's first and foremost, if I can add value, then I want to work with you. If I do not think I can add value that I am not the right fit for you. And so that being said, having this professional empathy of listening, trying to understand what their goals are. And then the professional sense comes in with the problem solving. And I've always been a natural problem solver. I love strategizing. I love putting the pieces together. You know, it's the same thing that I do with being CMO with my team that I've assembled of putting the pieces together. Who's going to succeed here? Who's going to su- succeed there? And, and really thinking about, about that as a whole. So it's, it's almost like being very precise while having a holistic view of everything. And so I love being able to think in those different regards. Um, and, and yeah, I think it just comes back to professional empathy. I mean, as a musician myself, like I, I remember getting nervous before recitals. I remember, you know, having to practice hours and hours and hours on end to, to master my instruments and things like that. And because I understand that from a mental health level, that is a priority for me. If an artist is having mental health, you know, issues for whatever reason, you cannot perform. And I think that's why 
collective entertainment has always been so fundamental in being artist centric, being artist first, listening to their needs. And sometimes they'll say their needs and it's like, that is not what you need at all. And you have to be that sounding board of like, this is what you actually need. And, and hopefully you will listen, you know? Um, and so, so that's why we're so artist focused. And, and I know Emily comes at it from a, from a music fan vantage point as well, but at the end of the day, we're all music fans and we're all human beings. And so, so maybe this is more of a human centric aspect of it. Oh yeah. I love the way you put that. Cause, cause everybody, I think everybody has it in them to be a musician if they'd like to. Right. But that the core of a musician is a human, just like anybody else. So yeah, beautifully put Melissa. Thank you. Yeah. Leslie, wh what's your take on just like the experience that you have of getting to work with directly with musicians and just kind of the relationships you 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 develop with them and and if you have any more to say about professional empathy or any sort other sort of term that that you kind of uh you know gravitate toward that uh, describes your experience doing this kind of work Absolutely um I I found that it was a huge lesson in really transforming the fan brain to the artist-centric brain. And because without one, there can't be the other, you know, and, and it was interesting because one of the clients that we work with right now was Urge Overkill. And me being a fan of Pearl Jam, it was um, the first meeting that we had speaking to um, Nash and King Rose on the phone was just mind blowing. I, mean, I think I stayed quiet the entire time trying to like measure my breathing. It was you really did fun. stay quiet. I did. I was so nervous. You were just like lurking in the background. I was. Um, but it was so on that end, working with musicians is probably a, it's a dream come true because it really is a lens into, you know, their brain and how, and how they function and how they, you know, but it also gives you at least through collective entertainment. I've been able to see, um, and been able to transfer the fan brain to the, these are real people too. You know, this, they're not machines. They're not, um, you know, cogs and trying to turn the music industry wheel. They have, you know, real worries. They have hopes and they have, um, you know, a, I, I want to say like this sense of it, whether it's just, I don't want to do this. I do want to do this. It's, it, it follows kind of um, the aspect of being able to see a musician as a person and as a colleague, which is, which is incredible. It's an amazing opportunity. Um, I, I think with collective, I really learned that as a fan, you always want more, you want more content, you want more um, music. And, and there are times in an artist's life where that's not possible you know, that, that the delivery just kind of hits and then they have to take a break and, and being part of that, I think in the process, whether it was advancing tours with Melissa or, or kind of marrying, um, public relations and seeing how artists were responsive, that how they worked, it really gave me, um, I want to say a, a bigger sense of empathy for being able to work with someone, um, especially someone who, who not only has such a creative job, but has all these other real life worries. Um, it really did kind of open my eyes to being able to create social media plans and marketing plans around the artist first, because that is what the fans online were going to be more receptive to whatever they were able to give was enough. Um, and yeah, I, I should be honest. I didn't have that before. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's amazing. Like I, I, I think, um, like that, that that's kind of the, the the root of the question is just like what you know what have you learned from the work and 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 so you both learned you know professional empathy and then just kind of like the 
the the side of the th- of the industry that you didn't necessarily see before as a fan but but now it's it's kind of in your face you know yeah um so you you've both been in the industry for 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 long enough now to have to be able to look back at your career thus far and maybe pinpoint like a a really difficult challenge or two that like you know like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of just like personal growth. And, um, and, and when, when I think about personal growth, I, you know, you can't help but think about pain um, because pain is generally like, you know, what, what gets you, what gets you to the other side. Do you look at it when you're on the other side and be like, Oh man, that really was a crappy experience. But like, I'm kind of a badass now for having gone through that, you know, and, and, and I've grown, you know, and that's what growth feels like. It's, it's painful, but it's, it's invigorating and empowering. And, you know, when you do make it to the other side. So, so talk to me, tell me a story or, or two about like just some, some challenges that, 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 that the two of you have run into um, either together or individually um, that you think have been instrumental to, um, to who you are as, as professionals and maybe even as humans. I would say, as an artist manager getting fired, that that's always a rough situation. And, you know, for whatever reason it may be, especially COVID, I think a lot of managers were getting fired because, you know, the world was not okay. And I think collectively musicians were not okay. Um, and I'm not saying that firing, you know, for whatever reason is, is not the way to go, is the way to go, whatever it is. But, you know, again, it comes down to mental health. And and so, so that's definitely a pattern that we ended up seeing as a result of COVID. But as an artist manager, you know, we pour so much time and energy and love and passion into our clients and it's like a breakup, you know, you, you work really, really hard. You, you help impact these careers and you see them grow. Um, you know, I've, I've been fired multiple times and, you know, and a part of it, this is another aspect of the mental health. You start to reflect on like myself as an artist manager, am I just really bad at my job? You know, like you start to gaslight yourself and things like that. And you, you really can't go that way for sure. Like, so if anyone is listening to this and they're interested in artist management or going into the industry, right? Like these are part, this is part of the reality getting fired. I mean, Leslie was furloughed, right? We, we get so disenfranchised when those moments happen. But the way that I am able to get through that is knowing, and actually I've quantified this. I've literally, for the clients that have fired me, I've quantified how much money they made, like increased over the years I've been with them. Like I've quantified that and I have those numbers written down and that's an indicator to me that I did my job to the best of my ability. And I've gotten fired for different reasons. You know, um, I, I got fired from a client where everything was going great, (laughs) you know, um, like, and, and all done. Right. So, so I think in a lot of ways you have to be mentally prepared as an artist manager, especially if you're young and you're taking on your client for the first time, it, it may not be forever. It may not be forever. You, you may not, you may be the 99% of the situations where you will eventually part ways for whatever reason. And I think that for those of you who are thinking about going into this, that is part of the experience and to really prepare yourself for that, to protect yourself. And that's why I say professional empathy, because it's so easy 
to really empathize with your clients, with musicians, with, with artists that you are genuinely a fan of, right? Like you can really empathize and want, want, want from them to just do, do X, Y, Z, perform, do meet and greets, do all of these things. Um, but that's why you have to add that professional sense because this is a business transaction. It's a business relationship. You know, even if you feel like your family, you're not, you are an artist manager first and foremost. And those boundaries are so important to set. And that's what I've really learned over the years is setting really firm boundaries. Um, and that's why I told all my clients, I'm not working on Fridays anymore. You know, like I'm just not doing it. You know, I'm not available. And even though, and, and it's okay if clients text me over the weekend, I won't respond until Monday and they all know it. That was a professional boundary that I set for myself. And, and that's what I encourage everyone to be able to do. Oh, Melissa, I could learn so so much from you. And I, and I did over those last few minutes. Uh, Cause you know, my work is very much, you know, with the musician or the, the entrepreneur at the forefront. And I am a in, innate empath. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing. It's a skill, uh, but it, it can sometimes be a flaw um, when you get almost too close and, yes. and it starts to affect your life and the way that you think about yourself and your own work and things like that. So uh, I'm currently in the process of of setting and holding myself accountable to the boundaries um, that I think are necessary. So thank you. Like just personally, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I'm so glad to hear you making those boundaries. <laughs> and and Leslie, what about a what about a challenge with you? I mean, you know. I think Melissa touched on on one that you've experienced with, and you touched on it as well, being furloughed. But is, is there another challenge that you, uh, you 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 look up look back on and you say, "Man, that that kind of really made me who I am today." I I really think you know that is the biggest challenge. I, I lost a lot of that network that I had in at the height of the pandemic, but through that process, I think I discovered a little bit of more of who I was and the things that I wanted outside from what was career centered for me. Um, it's very easy. I think when you have a job that you love and you love so fiercely to relate that to who you are as a person. Um, and that's not the truth. It, it could be the furthest from the truth. I, I discovered the things that I liked here. I, that, you know, music discovery was more important to me than creating the experience, which is something I didn't even know about myself. I thought I was all about producing the concerts and making people happy, but discovering music, I hadn't had that for a long time. I voted really gave me that back. Um, but just kind of not building thick skin and not letting what you do for a living just correlate with who you are as a person. Um, that was probably the most painful lesson I learned. I went through therapy. I, I, you know, researched ways to make myself happy, talk to my inner child, all of these wonderful things, because I think when you tend to rise and you see all this success happening around you, it's very easy to say I'm a successful person. When you no longer have that, the simplest way to go is I'm not successful. I'm bad. I'm terrible. I suck. <laughs> and that could be furthest from the truth because you're a human being with so many qualities. Um, and just finding a balance, I think, is is the the biggest lesson I've learned. It, it was the most painful one is just kind of realizing that I'm not the work that I do. I am not those high moments. I'm all of it. That's in between. Oh my gosh. Can I hire you two to be like my <laughs> co-therapists or something? Like, oh, you're just, oh, oh, it's, it's like, I feel it inside of me. How much <laughs> like what you're saying is resonating. It's, it's like you're, um, 
it's like it's like it's like this is an appointment or something like you're telling me exactly <laughs> what i what i need to hear um yeah. uh so really really appreciate that you know um so it, with with you you said something leslie that that kind of stuck out to me um you know the people that you're working with i mean these they're not in you know your conventional kind of career paths even though it's you know being a musician um is, is certainly a, a normalized thing nowadays but it's still not conventional um right. And and it's it's so like dream driven, right? And and it's so hard to probably keep your distance from like making that person's dream also your dream, you know, um, especially as an empath. So like ah, it's just not necessarily anything that you need to you need to say. I'm just kind of like thinking out loud as I as I digest what the two of you have said in response to the the, the question about challenges. Uh, gosh, that's that's a, that's a tough balance to strike. You know, you have to connect with the musician in a way that you do believe, um, you know, that the dream that they're that they're pursuing is is not only possible, but it's it's likely. You know, um, with your help, of course. Um, but then when that doesn't go that way, um, you know, not necessarily measuring your worth uh, based on that outcome, but whether or not you you did everything you could to help bring that that dream to fruition. So, uh, just incredibly eloquent uh like and vulnerable thank you for being vulnerable like that's amazing um so kind of uh stepping aside from that now um you both work with musicians and um you both submitted a song um from from some artists uh that i'm that i'm sure you're 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 deeply connected to and you're working with um so I would like for both of you to kind of just spend a couple of minutes talking about why you chose this song and why you, you know, why you're working with these artists and, 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 and feel free to, you know, to sing their praises and just kind of the journey that they're on as well. Um, but then I would also like you to kind of go into some detail about what you know uh, about the inspiration behind the song, the songwriting process, and, and just how much the song means to, to your clients. Whoever wants to go first. Okay. Yeah, I'll go first. So, so my song is titled Life is Long. It is out on streaming platforms tomorrow, um, August 26th. And it is which will be, be last week when, when when this airs, it will be have been last week. So oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, just tune in. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so the artist's name is Julia Noons. And I work with Julia Noons first and foremost because she has such a warm soul. And when I first connected with her, I ended up not even not managing her at the time because I was too busy. And so Emily started managing her. Um, and then since then, um, I've taken her on as a client. And so what I really, what really resonated to me, just being able to work with Julia Noons is just how mindful she is. She is all about, you know, meditating and taking care of yourself and eating healthy. And that's something that resonates with me. I am a, I'm a yoga teacher. I've been a yoga teacher for the last five years. And so we often talk about, you know, Ayurveda and, and other holistic things that, that we can just bond over. Um, you know, when, when I told her I wasn't working on Friday, she was a thousand percent supportive of that. And I knew she would be because she's also prioritizing mental health. She started off as, you know, this, this YouTuber who just 
garnered, you know, so many subscribers, a lot of attention, has performed on Conan O'Brien's show and has this incredible career where she's built such a community, a, a fan-based community of individuals that um, you know, like going on these these mental health, these um mindfulness retreats that she starts. And so this song that she is releasing, you know, I think it's it's coming off of the tail end of our COVID era. And the music video that she created along with it is a snapshot of her history from childhood until now. And, you know, the lyrics itself, you know, really embody that life is long and it is just a beautiful way for her to really encapsulate the journey that she's had and the changes that she's gone through over the years. That's awesome. That's awesome. What What do you think the, um, I mean, she sounds like she's got a great head on her shoulders and she's very grounded. Um, oh, yes. can you, is, is there a piece of advice that you've given her that you think is really kind of like that she's taken in and really ran with? Um, recently, I won't mention which show this was, but recently she got invited to do this really great show at a festival and, um, and, and she didn't want to do it, but I convinced her to do it. I convinced her to do it, even though she didn't want to do it. I got on the phone with her. I was like, you have to do this. You have to do this. And it wasn't even about the money. It was just, you know, an opportunity. It just made a lot of sense. And she did the show and I got a text message that weekend. And she was like, thank you so much for convincing me to do the show. And, you know, I, I think it was one of those moments where like, sometimes you have to fight the artist and, and not that it was like me fighting her by any means, but you know what I mean? You might have a disagreement. And as an artist manager, you have to look for what is best and, and defend your thoughts, defend your ideas and, and I'm I'm also very glad she did it because she ended up having a fantastic time. Um, so I hope she's okay with me sharing that. <laughs> well, I'm sure she, I'm sure uh, uh, I'm sure what she is because she had a fantastic time. So uh, yeah. so Leslie, talk to me about the song that you picked and and the and the band that you picked. Um, yeah, I was I was watching the music video uh, last night. I really liked the music video. It seemed yeah. like a, a, a fun group of guys. Yeah, so Rocks Revolt, Rocks Revolt and the Velvets, um, they are, I want to say, one of the most impressive up-and-coming bands that I've seen in the South Florida scene. Um, in the journey of working with I Voted, music discovery is obviously something that I really wanted to um, just kind of delve in. And I had, even though I love music so much, I had never really paid attention to the scene in my own community, which, I mean, Miami is huge, but South Florida in itself... Um, I loved alternative music so much and kind of, um, after I voted festival, I started sort of looking to see what concerts I could attend most after the pandemic had, had kind of settled down here. And, um, I went to Las Rosas, which is a venue that unfortunately closed down here in South Florida. And I was able to witness Rocks for Vaughn Development. It was incredible. It was a true testament to how a rising act could, um, develop a look have social media presence, have a wonderful website, be able to tour. And these aren't people who have a million streams on Spotify, but they were so cohesive in unity together. I was like, this is how it's done when you're an up and coming band. Um, so the band was established in 2018 here in Naples, Florida. They're a four piece and they sort of have this like glamorous, glamorously like eclectic, um, kind of throwback to the seventies vibe. 
Um, but yeah, they, they've had notable appearances at, at music festivals here and there. But to me, they're really one of the bands that showcase how to do it when you're just starting off. You know, it, it's like this whole fake it till you make it mentality really kind of doesn't exist as much when you're local because ev- you think everybody's faking it. I feel like these guys really know who they are. Um, so in, in, in essence, Rock's Revolt is... Um, Brock's Revolt, which is vocals and guitar, Dan Heath, which is bass, Jay Shockley guitar, and Chris Campbell drums. I had the pleasure of working with them in June for a, mu- a local music festival that my me and a partner, uh, Brian Kwan from Quantum Productions, produced, and they were one of the acts, and they were absolutely incredible. I'm going to say one of the highlights of the event, um, and the song Get High is really a testament to that. It's fun. It's beautifully uh, composed, and this isn't a band who's shelling millions of dollars. They're a very much local focused on um, playing every single venue in the alternative music scene here in South Florida. And luckily enough, I found them on the roster after we booked I Voted Festival. And I was like, look at that. This is this is how you do it. Because that means that they were trending on Spotify through the data that we booked for Chartmetric in Florida. And I think that that is really a testament to who they are as a band, as a local band. You start off and if you're to put together, you can, I want to say, just put a consistent social media presence. Maybe you might come to a point where you need an artist manager, but you know, they, they just sat and did it on their own. If, if you look at their website, look at their social media, they're just so put together and a wonderful, a wonderful group. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited to be able to share their music. Yeah. And you know, I, I was, um, when I was watching the music video and I was, um, trying to follow the words and I love when, you know, there are, Obviously, when when you look in Spotify or something, and a band has the the, the lyrics, you know, underneath of the, of the song profile, and I just kind of googled the lyrics real quick and, and found them. Um, so, uh, help me help me understand, kind of help me connect with the inspiration behind "Get High," and and just what uh, you know what what message is the band trying to 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 send uh, with with the songwriting and 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 the delivery of it. I think it's sort of the perfect meld of modern and and nostalgic. I think Get High sounds like, um, I want to say, something that you would hear in the 70s, but it's also just kind of fun. I feel like a lot of of artists nowadays kind of produce music that is very much about um, the times, and and that's wonderful and it's important. But Get High is sort of just like this very euphoric sound. Um, And and you you can hear that in the lyrics. It's just about having fun. It's just about being in the moment. I, I really particularly enjoy music like that um, just because we, we did have that a lot in the past. But right now with the state of, of everything, we've seen a lot of music that is just about trying times. I think Get High is just a very nice breath of fresh air from that. Awesome. Awesome. That's that's awesome. I can't wait. So I always like listen to the song before I do the podcast interview and then I listen to it after I know kind of the inspiration behind it. And I usually yeah. have a different experience. So uh, thank you for entertaining that intention of mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. We're, we're getting toward the end here of, of the interview, unfortunately, because I could I could talk to you two all day, I, I promise. Um, but I always ask my guests the same question for the last question. Um and it, it it might stump you because it usually does, but um, with with Melissa, you being a, a marketing uh, professional, and and Leslie, you obviously doing that type of PR work um, for for your clients as well. Um, maybe you'll have an easier time. So when when someone thinks about Melissa Garcia or Leslie Montez, what do you want people to know about you? Like, what is the most important thing? 
and 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 you could even like you 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 can kind of marry this in with 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 what collective entertainment wants uh it uh, it to know or wants people to know about it or i voted festival uh it doesn't have to be just you but um what's the most important message that you want people to to know and understand about the two of you and your work i'll take a swing at it okay. all right so i would say that i would like people to think or to realize that despite our conversations focusing around work, work is not your life. To have a life outside of work, to really be able to enjoy being outside and spending time with your loved ones and doing things that really truly spark joy. And that's why, you know, yes, I'm, I, you know, I'm the CMO of hashtag I voted festival. I'm an artist manager consultant you know, I, I also consult outside of the music industry in sports and in in um, engineering. But for the most part, I don't want work to define who I am. And that's why I, I thrive on these three-day weekends where I can go to the beach and I can blow bubbles in my front yard just to get outside of the house because I work from home or, you know, spend time with my foster dog. And so really making sure that you have this foundation outside of work, because if and when you get furloughed or fired, you have a foundation beyond your work community or your work bubble. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you again for that reminder. Uh, something I'm I'm trying to work through myself right now. So I appreciate that. You're, you're spot on today, Melissa. <laughs> How about you, Leslie? Yeah. Um... I guess for me, I'd like for people to see somebody who didn't have a conventional education to land in the music industry, but picked up bits and pieces from everything that I learned to be able to, and hopefully was better for it in the long run. Um, I think that when I first entered, uh, you know, music, I was very, I was very impressed, but also a little bit terrified that there were so many people who had, um, you know, these, these one, this education and these connections and these networks. Um, but I'd really like for people to, to know that not only a woman, but a woman of color can be part of that group of, of men who now produce these worldwide music festivals. I feel like that if it inspires anybody to try and reach out, um, and just grow your network, I would love that. You know, as much as I, I'm trying to separate not being the work, you know, it's something that I want to balance 50, 50. I really would like to, um, form my own ideas and, and be able to be my own person outside of the work, but I love it so much that I want, you know, I want for people to look me up online and kind of ask me questions. I, I, I relish in the idea of being able to mentor and tutor and just kind of impart this wisdom that I, that I have. I, I find it, extremely exhilarating to be on, you know, podcasts and panels. Now, when I was growing up, you know, watching my people that I idolize in college, like, like Kevin Lyman. And now it's interesting that we are on meetings with him every, (laughs) every other month. Um, I, I like for people to see that you can do it. If you're a woman, you can do it if you're a minority. And if you don't have that, um, proper business, music business education. Love that. Yeah. If you dream it, you can be it, but you have, to do it. you have to do it. You can't just dream it, you know? Yep. Yep. Love that. Melissa, Leslie, this has been just a, just a wonderful conversation. I am so grateful. 
that the two of you both um, were willing to share your time with me and and our listeners, um, two incredible human beings doing very, very important work um, for for very, very important people. You know, musicians uh, bring a lot of joy into the world, um, but but sometimes, you know, they need some assistance. And it's 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 just gives me hope to know that they have uh, opportunities um, to work with individuals like you to kind of bring their creative output uh, into the world and and bring so much pe- so many people so much joy and happiness. So thank you both so much. And um, you know I'd be remiss if I didn't again plug uh, the hashtag I voted festival uh, in this year. It will be um, on November eighth. Uh, and uh, go to hashtag I voted or it's just I voted festival or is there a hashtag in the in the website? I can't remember. It's I voted festival.org. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. So go there, learn all you can about about the festival um, and and hopefully this conversation with the two two of the team members who helped put that on uh, draw you even closer to to that effort. Melissa Leslie, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Thank Nick. You. This was fun. I yeah, want to do was... more interviews with Leslie. I know. This, we're great. <laughs> <laughs> you make people evil to punish the past. Stuck inside a sequel with the rotating cast. Don't think the right one will come. Until you relax, you need to take a deep breath Can you obsess about something other than what's wrong? Cause life is long Life is
Thanks for listening to the Musician's Venture Podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews from wherever you're listening from. Check us out online at themusiciansventure.com for more information on what we have happening, to find past episodes, and ways to get in touch with us. Find us on social media at The Musician's Venture on Facebook and Instagram, and at Musician Venture on Twitter. Like and follow us on all those platforms, and hey, while you're there, engage with and share our content with your friends. The Musician's Venture Podcast is hosted by me, Nick O'Brien, with guest host appearances from Allison M. The podcast is produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music by Mike Newmeyer. Thanks again for listening.